first reading today is from Jeremiah, which you'll find on page 716, <coughs> starting at verse 4. <clears throat> the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. The Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now we turn to, to Luke, chapter 4, which you'll find on page 973. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? he asked. Jesus said to them, Surely you will, be, you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly I tell you, he continued, prophets are not, except there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed. Only Naaman, the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him over the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. This is the word of the Lord. I'm going to ask uh, Janet to come. I'm interested to hear what you're going to say about this. So, are you, are you happy if I pray for you? Okay. Lord, we thank you for Janet. We thank you for the uh, amazing contribution she has made in our journey uh, at this time in uh, this church. And we pray for her this morning that you would give her guidance and wisdom on what to, what to speak. And we pray that you would give us the ears to hear the message that you would have us hear. And we pray for your Holy Spirit to work in us all this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to be with you on this cold and frosty morning. And Catherine said that we're at the point of actually recruiting evidence, an advert. This is in the United Reformed Church magazine that's come out, and I thought I would bring it. So you can all see, you've got a half-page spread. 
So you can have a look at it afterwards if you want to see exactly how that is worded. We're on the way. And now may I speak in the name of God. Who'd want to be a prophet? It puts you way down the popularity stakes and offers no material rewards. Jesus revealed himself to be a prophet from God as he identified himself with words spoken about a prophet in the book of Isaiah. That's what had just been read when he was in the synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. His fellow worshippers threatened his life and threw him out of town. Being a spokesperson for God is not a role that anyone in their right mind volunteers for. For many years, I was involved in the church's processes for selecting people to train for ministry. And ministry, all ministry, has an element of prophetic commitment within it. And invariably, it was the case that those who were confident about their calling those who were most certain that ministry was where God wanted them to be, those who were absolutely sure that they were God's gift to the church, were always the ones who were the least well-suited to be a minister among God's people. Whereas those who'd applied reluctantly, having been nudged, pushed, challenged, recommended, encouraged time and again to test their vocation. The ones who were only aware of their own inadequacies, all the reasons why they should be rejected, those people proved to be the ones where God's calling could be discerned in their lives. And God's preparation of their lives thus far could be recognised. We here are in the midst of that process now of calling a new minister. It needs to be taken so seriously. It's exciting. But how are we going to recognise the one who is sent by God to minister amongst us? Because that's a big responsibility that as a church we have, to discern the one who is from God, as distinct perhaps from the one who says everything that we want to hear. A prophet 
is someone who comes with a message from God. And when we look at the passage from Jeremiah, we get a good insight into what the nature of prophecy is all about. It's a role, it's a vocation into which God calls someone and God prepares them probably over a long period of time. In Jeremiah's case, in Jesus' case, preparation was from birth, but that's not usually the case for us. I think the similarity for us is that God's preparation of us for begins at the time when we become first aware of God. Now that might be as children, it might be as adults. But when we begin to ask questions and think about God, that's when God begins the work of preparing us for the role that God has for each one of us. And as disciples of Christ, there's a little bit of being a prophet in the responsibilities that we have as well. God's at work in us through the Holy Spirit, preparing us for whatever role God intends us to fulfill. And God's at work now in the heart and mind of whoever God is calling to be minister here. And God's at work in those who are going to be part of the selection processes as well. Helping everyone to recognise what their role is and to know what to say and how to discern what is of God. We learn from Jeremiah that a prophet's role takes someone into the world, to the nations. It's far-reaching not just confined to God's people, to Israel, to the church. We all think in terms of mission being to the big world out there, and that's true of a prophet, a disciple, a minister, of us all. It's a both and. It's a speaking to the community of faith, and it's a speaking the big wide world of the nations. And it's the scale of the task that initially prompts Jeremiah's reluctance. And I think it is true of all of us as well. Can't be me, God, who you want to do this. I'm not up to it. I'm too young. I'm too old. I've got other things to do. My agenda's already full. No space in the diary, God. We all come up with the excuses, don't we? As to why it can't possibly be me that God wants to do a particular thing. I'm doing something else. But perhaps God wants to say, you shouldn't be doing that something else. This is the task I have. And it's God who sends a prophet Never in scripture does a prophet go where they choose. (coughs) 
I wonder how often we sit and think, I'll go and do X in such and such a place. I'll take God's message to so-and-so. It's God who decides where we need to go, where the message needs to be heard, what the message needs to be. Not us. What always strikes me, I need a drink of water, when I read those words from the book of Jeremiah, is how the prophetic message is expected to function, to work. Because it begins with the words of challenge. Note what was read to us. Pluck up and pull down, destroy and overthrow. And then you get to building and planting. The ground's got to be prepared first. And any of you who are gardeners know that that means get rid of the weeds, get rid of the rocks, turn it all over. Get rid of what was there first and then you're in a situation of being able to plant and build up. What does that mean when a prophet comes into a city? The words that Jesus spoke to his community challenged their presumption. He said to them, you're going to expect me to do signs and wonders like you've seen elsewhere. You're going to want me to tell you what you want to hear. But he says, that's not what I've come for. I've come to disturb, to awaken you, to give you a bigger vision of what God's purposes are. I've come with good news, but good news doesn't look quite what you expect it to be. And God may be saying that to us. I don't know. The good news that your new minister will bring may not be to encourage you to continue everything you're doing at the moment. May well be to say, that bit of work's finished. It's time to start something new over there. I don't know. You don't know. But Jesus' community had to learn that what he'd got to say to them wasn't necessarily always going to be comfortable. He reminded them how God's prophet, Elisha and Elijah, found that their words were received by those outside the community of faith much more readily than those within the community of faith. Those who were open-minded and eager to receive of God's good news and God's grace were the ones who found God's power at work in their lives. It's a warning of not being blinkered. 
and assuming that we know what God wants for us. God's got all sorts of surprises for us, exciting things which will all be good news, but they may not look quite like we expect. They may not sound quite like we expect. They may challenge us into areas where we feel a little bit uncomfortable. But the good news is, as God said to Jeremiah, I will be with you. Don't be afraid. I will equip you. I will enable you to do what I want you to do, to speak the good news to God's people, to speak the good news to the nations, to the world, to transform situations for good, for better. A prophet, a minister, a disciple of Christ, all are called all have a message to share. All of us have our role, our part to play. And we should never be afraid, for God is with us. But as we approach this business of calling the next minister, Let's be open to discerning what God is preparing for us. Let's not be closed in our minds of what that might mean. Let's anticipate an exciting time ahead. But God is preparing someone to bring good news to us here, but good news for the world as well. And that as that is made known, it might disturb us all a bit, but it will also enliven us and fill us with new hope and new joy as God's love is proclaimed and God's purposes are fulfilled <coughs> here and in the world. Amen.